Welcome to the Triathlete Hour. This week, we're talking to USAT's Athlete of the Year, Minori Minagawa. Now, we recorded this right after Minori's first pro race, the very tough Clash Miami. She was, unfortunately, one of the many women who were forced to DNF in those hot and humid conditions. She couldn't even feel her hands or feet when she dropped out. Now, we talk about that race, what it's like jumping into the pro ranks this year, and how she went from first Olympic triathlon ever during the pandemic to winning 70.3s to going pro all in the last two years. What has that learning curve been like, and how is training in Ohio? But first, Sid Talks. Laura Zidal and I are back to recap the last two big weekends of racing, Miami, Lanzarote, and Sid's second place down in Chile. Racing season is really, really here. All of that after this short break. Ready for race season? Watch all the excitement and drama of the best Ironman 70.3 races streamed live on Outside TV this year. Starting with Oceanside 70.3 on April 2nd, the season will include 11 races around the U.S., Europe, and Australia. That includes the two-day world championship in St. George at the end of October. Watch all the races live for free on Outside TV or the Outside app. An archive broadcast will be available after the finish for Outside Plus members. Go to watch.outsidetv.com to get the app and watch all live and on-demand Ironman 70.3 races. All right, Sid, you finally made it back to the U.S. after getting pulled off a flight, getting delayed in Santiago, having your bike go to somewhere else and not to chill. Try travel is so fun, isn't it? Oh, do you know, do you know I, have, I have to say I have been relatively lucky with all the travel I've done that I've not had touch with too many issues, but I think I made up for it in a, this trip. Yeah. <laughs> with a, I think I finished building my bike at like midnight the night before the race, got to bed at like half midnight and then was awake at 5am the next morning to do a race. It's, you know, it's all good. It's all it's good fun. fun. <laughs> right. And you got second. This is always, so it's fine. It works yeah. out. Yeah. yeah whatever. Really. <laughs> Actually, I've never heard before your bike showed up without its aero bars. Yes. Them, and I've never heard that one before. So that's no, that was a new one on yeah, me as well. Um, very quickly, without all the delays of the, of the flight not making various flights and connections and all this sort of stuff, it finally made it from Houston to Santiago on Saturday morning. Um, but then it switches from United to Latam Airlines and they obviously didn't like CO2 cartridges being in it. So emailed me saying, we ha now have your bike finally having lied the following day. But anyway, um, said we need authorization for you to remove it. And I was like, yes, you know, replied ASAP. Yes, just take them out. Here's where they are. Um, and then it missed a couple more flights getting to Puerto-Mont that day and finally got on a flight that arrived at like 7 p.m. at night on Saturday and it arrived. And you could see just the sense of relief from the team that had been blessed and that had been like chasing the bike down for me, thankfully. Um, and we were like, yes, it's arrived. And I opened it up and went to start building it. And I was just like, huh, the aero bars aren't here. And it's because I, I take just the aero bars out when I travel because they don't fit in the bag. And they just get wrapped up in, in a white pillowcase, funnily enough, um, and some padding and just put in the bag. And so I started panicking and I went back up to them. I was like, yes, it's a slight issue. Aero bars are here. You're like, small issue. It's fine. And then I, I was panicking going, gosh, did I actually leave them in Boulder? Did I not pack them? And I was like, no, I had to clear the apartment out. There was nothing left. Like, they have to be there. And then even if, and then we figured out what must have happened is when they opened the bag oh, and unpacked it, right. the CO2, they took things out and obviously didn't put everything back in. At which point I was like, okay, so now the aero bars are in a white, unassuming pillowcase. Somewhere, somewhere in, in Santiago, in Chile. Santiago <laughs> airport. Like the hell they're going to, one, look for them, two, actually find them, and three, get them on the one remaining flight of the day, which left in like half an hour nice. to get to Puerto Montt. Amazingly, they did find them because uh, they were probably where they left them. Um, and more amazingly, they made it onto that last flight. So at 10.30, we were doing an airport trip, which thankfully is only 20 minutes away from the race, which is really easy. Um, yeah, to pick up my yeah. Aerobuzz. <laughs> I do love that. Uh... Like triathlete problem solving kicks in. You're like, just a small problem, little problem. I'm sure it's yeah. no big deal. But yeah. <laughs> like, I know. I feel well, like it's what happens when you travel. You're like, yeah, yeah. This is it. And I mean, luckily, like my other bag had arrived and I'd got most things. I do sometimes split kit in case you get that issue where one doesn't arrive. But 
it was only a pair of trainers, which was fine. Um, and obviously just the bike. Um, we had got the backup plan as if the aero bars didn't make it. That was a fairly simple, I'm lucky I've got shifting on my base bars. So we're just going to like grab the aero bars off this other bike that I had as a backup right, to ride. Right. And we're just going to like put those you on. You like immediately start going into like, what are our options? Can yeah. we solve this problem? Yeah. We just, we've been talking about travel a bunch of, um, cause our upcoming magazine issue is going to be about like race vacations, race, yeah. racecations. And we were talking about our biggest mistakes. And one of mine was the time I like showed up at Ironman Lake Placid and rented a house and this guy who turned out to be a scammer. And I like knock on the door and some person opens and is like, no, I, I like don't <gasps> know who you are. I don't know who Jeff is. And I'm totally sitting there being like, it's fine. It's fine. I'll, I'll just sleep on someone's out. couch. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> like whatever. <laughs> Well, that that was kind of like coming home last night. We, again, three flights and we found out before we left our flight in Puerto Montt that our Santiago Houston flight was like ridiculously delayed by about four or five hours, which is fine. No problems. They United then rebooked us on the connecting Houston to Denver flight. We got it on our app. It was all okay. We then sat on the first flight on the tarmac for like two hours, not knowing what was going on. I'm going, well, that's quite good that the other flight was delayed because we've right, now got it, it, no issue. And we get there. And as we get off, I was traveling with Matt Hansen. He gets called by like over the tannoy. Can Matt Hansen make himself present? And they randomly taken him off all our flights that we'd been automatically rebooked on New United and put him on a flight to Miami with no connecting flight to Denver. <laughs> and like, they're both in the U.S., Sid. What yeah, are you complaining you about? The US, yeah. What's the problem? And then because we were like, we're not on the same ticket and but because we tried together, flying together. And so I went to like with him to the help desk and we put, they thought, and we're trying to say, look, she's already booked on these flights. That's what I want to be on. But instead of rebooking Matt, they took me off all the flights and put me on Miami. I was like, no, we're not. No one wants to go to Miami. (laughs) I happy to go on my own. (laughs) Sorry, Matt, you'll see you in Miami. Um, And yeah, and eventually got, we were two hours, thankfully everything was delayed. We were two hours in Santiago airport trying to explain and get these tickets reissued and he would Good have time. missed Miami flight anyway. And then <laughs> it was just it's like, it's, like it's, a, it's a learning well, experience. It's an yeah. opportunity. And you had gone down there for the challenge race, which I yes. cannot say the name of, but it's yeah. a new challenge race in Chile. Puerto Varas. It's absolutely stunning. It really mm-hmm. is a beautiful place. And it's, um, it's going to be a really great race. Like first year obviously has a few teething problems, but it was Fantastic location, logistically, apart from my travel, the airport's close by, it's loads of hotels, the race is right in the center of the town, you swim, you're right on the lakefront, yeah. And it had a pretty good field, Uh, you got second to Haley Chura, which (laughs) is great, I mean, we all love Haley, and she also, like, had massive delays on her. She did, she missed, like, two connections, had to do extra PCR tests, had to do, like, yeah. (laughs) And Sam Long, one on the men's side, um, which he was backing up his win from the week before in Miami, which we'll talk about in a second. So, you know, well, one, race season's up and running, full speed now, totally. Yep. Yeah, no, it was a... It was. It was great. We had a really great group of pros down there. Um, again, a smaller field in the women's, unfortunately, but still, yeah, Haley, myself, um, and then uh, Romy, who's Argentinian and a, a Chilean athlete. And then um, and then the, ma- the men probably had, again, a slightly bigger in-depth field. But the race, like for a first-time race, they looked after us super well. Um, and it, like I said, super, really beautiful race. Like ch- it's honest as well. It's not an easy course. Like mm. the swim was long. Um, the, and I will say Haley beat most of the men as right. expected. Um, I think I swam backwards, but that's fine. Um, the bike course was long and it's rolling and it's like slow road surface. And then the run was great right in town, four laps, but they took you up this like brutal hill on each lap. So I feel like that's just how chilly races South America. Yeah, they're just, you know, they're tough. Was, yeah. Yeah, it was great. You've got volcanoes in the background. Mm-hmm. The bike course was all, all along the lakefront with these volcanoes. Um, you know again, what Try could do for the, so the whole like, there's always smaller women's pro fields because, yeah. and it's not because women don't want to compete is because there's like a history of like fewer women doing it, a history of less access until you solve that problem and until you encourage people to move up. Like, all this stuff. But I did the LA Marathons weekend. I don't want to talk about it. I got injured. I dropped out. It was bad. But one of the things that they did, because they had a smaller women's pro field, they just like picked 
women who were going to run like in the front of the, and they like put us in the elite field. So I was like randomly put in the elite oh, wow. pro field because yeah. they needed to flesh it out. Like you need to have somebody for these Kenyans to beat. And so it was very bizarre because all of a sudden you're like in this field of 20 people starting at the front of like a major marathon in the dark. Um, yeah. So maybe try to just do that. We're just going to go around and be like, you, you and you, you should be racing the pro field. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> it did feel a little bit like being a sacrificial lamb. Like you're going to just, you just have to go over here so that they can beat you by 30 minutes. So like, yeah, but it yeah. looks like it's a bit full of field. Yeah. <laughs> it was weird. They also did something I think Try should get back to a head start for the oh, pro- women. For the women. So, yeah, yeah. I like yeah. that. Yeah. And they did it like, like they didn't tell us when we were going to start until like right before, cause they had like calculated it based on who was starting and how, and it actually uh, came down to nine seconds at the finish oh, wow. of the front man and women, like sprinting it out for the $10,000. So that's pretty exciting. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's a really cool way of doing the racing. Always. You, you got to get the, the, the time right though. You got to do yeah. the calculation right. It, it was an idea that we thought about doing with some of the clash races because mm-hmm. of the, like at Daytona, because they, they're good. They're doing like these bright, you know, the preems for transition right. and fastest laps, which is cool. But we were also thinking about, you could do it, set the women off and then set the men off to chase. But yeah. It's harder to do, I think, with laps around a track. It is. But yeah. yeah. But but yeah. LA is a point to point course, so yeah. it makes it very exciting. Yeah. And when I got caught by the front men with like the big car and the TV cameras, the police officer, it's like a wide open race uh, yeah. road, right? There's only like two women. Like I was with one other woman, plenty of room. The police officer on the microphone's like, women, move out of the way. <laughs> You're like, oh my god, what's so happening? Okay, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, but let's talk about Clash. So Clash Miami was the first race of the North yeah. American season, first big race of the year. And it was last weekend. Sam yeah. won, looked very dominant. Sam Sam Long uh, has improved. His his biking was always good, but his run and his swim are solid now. Yeah. And then on the women's side, Ashley Gentle made her kind of, it's not her mid-course debut because she's done it before, but she... But she hasn't done it over in America. Right. Probably. So I think she's probably, even though she's... An Olympian. She's one of the best Australia have had for a crazy number of years, even though she's still so young. She's won Noosa she's nine, times, nine times. Ridiculous. Um, she's done some halves, but I think just because she's never raced hugely in the US on the half distance scene, she was probably, and she was in an all black tri suit. And she was in like an unmarked, unsponsored like kid. Yeah. When the Holly Lawrence did Oceanside that first year, just in the black tri suit, and everyone was like, who the hell is this person? Um, she was in that. But she, I think she proved what a lot of us have been trying to say right. for years is that she should step up years, she should have stepped up years ago. I get it, the appeal of the Olympics. Um, yeah, I mean, she was in the whole Australian, yeah, um, what set. used to be called yeah. ITU pipeline. Um, yeah. And I think we all know that the Australian system has a lot of issues, yes. flaws, problems. We'll probably yes. hear more about it now that a lot of them yeah, be like, are moving out perfect. of it. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, it'd be great. It's such a, like, to see, when the rest of the women's field was kind of imploding and sort of self-destructing, Ash just had this calm head and beat Lucy Charles's bike time from the year before. And I oh, think yeah. got the course record overall as well in super super hot conditions yes she was coming from australia a lot of the other athletes were coming from right. winter climates not all of them though um but still i think just put a for a first effort out and she'd had travel issues getting over with her partner josh amberger right um so i'm sure it wasn't particularly stress-free for her either um yeah i think she's gonna be she's gonna be top five in the world i reckon by the end well, of the she year. is fully moved up to mid-distance yeah. long course whatever we want to call it now yeah. it's going to be doing 70.3 this year i fully expect to see her at world champs this fall and Colin she'll Cubs be doing collins yeah. cup she'll be doing oceanside in a couple of weeks um yeah yeah and we all knew obviously she could swim and run uh but she can bike she can bike yeah, yeah. no she can bike yeah but you mentioned as the horse of the women's field that was the thing about <laughs> clash miami if you watched it is First, it was like, oh, no, Dee Dee Griesbauer's out with a mechanical. And then Sarah Perez, like, was looking down and ran into a cone and just flipped over. Yeah, She's a okay. horrible crash, yeah. I mean, she, it turned out to be totally okay, but it looked bad. And then, yeah. and then like, Emma Pallant's on the ground hallucinating and, like, on camera doesn't know where she is. And, and, then and Alyssa, K, Alyssa oh. K, the commentary, is in tears at the point of this point as well. And, and then, like, like, then it's like, then there goes Chelsea Sadara. And people were just, it ended up being, like, 
almost a 50% DNF rate. Yeah. It was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and, and it's weird. I don't know. Like, it was a particularly hot and humid day. Like, I don't, it, the, the weather, obviously it's Florida, it's Miami, it's going to be warmer. And I think it had been building the week, but it, that was a particularly hot day. And I think being in the track as well, it just it's like, harsh, it's like yeah. a cauldron of heat. Um, and weather with athletes coming from winter, it's the first race of the season. It's a bit of a rust buster, but to do it under such strenuous conditions. You're always going to have people like kind of making mistakes. Oh yeah. yeah. Then, and then people were like miscounting laps. They like, yeah. did extra laps on the bike. They, they didn't do it. They like started. Uh, and then, um, um, who missed second place, missed the finish line and had to like, come yeah. back and hop over the wall. And then it was like, um, uh, uh, by, uh, Maya Stajanesa was running third and was she going to overtake her in the last meters? It was like... I thought... And then it was... I was kind of like, how did they... Like, oh, they must not have had like lap counters out there. Apparently, there was literally a giant screen with your name on it that said... So people were so gone, they weren't even like... There is a massive screen on the back that says like where you're up to and how... And like go to the finish if you're on your last lap and stuff like that. So it was definitely an early season race. Definitely some kinks to be worked out, which I always... I introduced... uh, my British editor to the term mulligan. Uh, I always appreciate that the first, you just call it a mulligan, start over. It's a golf thing. So. Ah, okay, there we go. Another lesson learned. Another, Another British connection. Like, <laughs> you you're like, that one doesn't, mulligan means that one doesn't count. We just like, start next one. <laughs> but it, uh, it was also nice to see, you know, pro racing, like fully back, really going at it. It wasn't a huge prize purse, but they did some cool things with preems. It was like yeah. a good broadcast. I think uh, Belinda Granger has found her true calling. I thought Tim O'Donnell did a great job with the broadcast. Um, I think yeah, those, I think the three of them that they have in the booth, so they have Rick Allen and then Tio. I think is really settling into that role to balance out them with Belinda and Rick. And I think it's a great, the three of them together in the booth is really good. You could hear, the funny part was when they, one cut away you could hear Belinda still talking in the background the whole time <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. Like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah so that was last weekend and then this weekend was the challenge race you went to Sam Long went straight to there yeah I, mean, I too. yeah I think Sam is Sam is just uh, you know he's he's done his work on the swim I think his bike is actually better than it was last year as well and he's running ridiculously fast off the bike and the swim for the and again he's another like big unit of a guy Mm -hmm. running in heat and stuff like that and just looking like he crossed the line in Miami and I know part of it's for show and bravado but it didn't even look like he'd like he looked like he could have carried on well in heat though like at Coeur d'Alene when it was 103 degrees and like everyone was walking Sam was not he looked solid so he's Um, good but yeah so challenge happened and then the other one this weekend was Lanzarote yeah which I mean that was a there was a pretty hot start list on there. There was some big names, some new names, a whole mix. Yeah. I mean, the men's race is good, but let's talk about the women's race was the really exciting one. Yes. So Kat Matthews beats Anne Hogg, which obviously like everyone has off days. Um, that is what it is. One race does not a career make all that stuff, but yeah. Yeah, it don't was write, like, don't write, don't write Annie Haug off yet kind of thing. Yeah. But to your point about like Sam is looking like really good. Kat is also looking really strong. And I think yeah. there was this thing over the last year during COVID where like, sure, like Kat popped off a good race, Sam popped off a good But you didn't really know who was going to end up having like cooked it too hard during COVID, who was going to yeah. get hurt and who was really making like actual big jumps and progressions. And now we're starting to see like, oh, these some of these up and come or who were up and comers going into COVID are actually like the new guard now. Like- yeah. They're here to stay. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, Kat, Kat's got a huge amount of talent and she's so new into the sport, I think as well, like her trajectory at the moment is just on that up. And like you saw that, you know, the race, what uh, what was the Ironman she did last Tulsa. year? Which, yeah, Tulsa, where she just like ran a, whatever it was, 250 or was it a 249 or a 251? It was like, a 250. It was like the yeah. second fastest women's yeah. Ironman time ever. Yeah, yeah and I think like the bike she put together in Lanzarote, um, you know, riding through the, f- she wasn't that far back out the water. And again, to swim, she's improved as well and been working on that, but riding through that field and riding a, like she came out the water with Annie Haug, mm-hmm. rode away from her, rode through Lucy Hall, Jess Learmouth, 
again, Jess Limith, first time 70.3, was on a road bike with clip-on bars, but she said she was putting out like 260 watts or something for five, for two and a half hours on a road bike with aero bars. I was like, all right, full credit to Jess. Um, and then she runs, Cat runs ridiculously well right. off that. And I... She ran like a 117 or 118. Yeah, and I don't yeah. see... Okay, yes, there is a little bit of change in speed and power for the the full distance, but I'm not sure there's that much with Cat kind of thing. I just think she's got that. I think she's now she's one to she's definitely she's definitely um, propel, propelled herself to being a podium favorite. Mm-hmm. I think now for St George Worlds. Oh, definitely. I think um, we've all had our eye on her for sure. Yeah. I mean, all these people when we talk about like. Laura Phillips beat yeah. Daniela Reef a couple of weeks ago. When we talk about these people that we've all had our like eye on, there's some that you're starting to be like, oh, this is, no, this is yeah. for real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, so, and, and, so, and that was like, you, you're not going to write Daniela Reef off yeah. like for getting beaten by Laura Phillip and you're not going to write Annie Hag off. It's not like, think that's it, that, you know, that that's it for them. Like you just can't, those two athletes, what is Danielle, three-time world champion? Annie Howe's current. She's seven. Well, she sorry, won seventy point three four. Yes, yeah, sorry, <laughs> Ironman, three-time Ironman world champion. Annie Hag is the current reigning world champion. Right. You know Annie's performance in Rathla, all of those. You're never going to write them off. But I just think you are starting to see, like, yeah, Laura's now beaten Daniela and Kat's beaten um, Annie, and I think we're just. It, they set the standard for the last few years and the rest of us have had to step up and you are now seeing those girls stepping up and going beyond. And so if there's a slightest chink on the day in anyone else's arm, they're going to pounce and they're going to make the most of it. My cat's being really loud. Sorry, but <laughs> I can't hear it. I'm just... <laughs> no, it's, uh, I mean, we all have talked about how the women's field has really, uh, I don't want to say stepped up because that infers that like people weren't trying hard before, but the, uh, there's been a leveling up with the no. game in the last few years for sure. And yeah, I think it's we not, all it's that. not stepping up in effort. I'm not saying yeah. that. Yeah. I'm not saying that we weren't trying. It's the standard, like yeah. Daniela and, yeah. and those people had raised the standard by such a bigger gap to the rest of the field that the women have now seen that it's like you needed someone to yeah. do that and then everyone else has gone and seen what's possible and they've raised it again and they've yeah. and it's happening i mean first it was chrissy wellington and then it was danielle and it, and it yeah. total and everyone's then yeah. just like raised their game and it's happening on yeah. the men's side too when you see like like jan's been completely dominant in a lot of ways but then you have these norwegians coming along and now it's like yeah. well can you win multiple ironman titles in a year and yeah. sure why not and and it just keeps getting like leveled up which yeah. is always you're always like man at some point right like we have to hit a limit on human potential but yeah. I don't yeah. <laughs> um, we are I mean everyone is looking forward though St. George is in six weeks six or seven I'm hoping it's seven but I think it's six, think six it's weeks instead of my training yeah. peaks I was like oh, I need another couple of weeks <laughs> <laughs> your training peaks are telling you it'll be and that's going to be a really exciting race and a lot of people are using Oceanside in two weeks as kind of their tune-up or their start of the season and Oceanside looks that is legitimately the first, like, like not just stacked at like four or five people deep, but I mean, it's yeah. everyone. It's yeah, and, yeah. and Alistair Brownlee showing. I mean, you never know with Alistair if he's going to get hurt last minute, but he's showing up. Um, it's going to be yeah intense. I think a lot of people are using it as well from Europe to come yeah. over and then and then do stay. that race yeah. and then have the four week build from there into into St George. Yeah, for sure. And everyone wants to go to SoCal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Especially at the moment. I land back here in Bold. Mind you, to be fair, Chile was, um, it wasn't as warm as I was expecting. No, because it's Southern Hemisphere. So you think, oh, I'm going to summer. But effectively, when I looked at the map, it's further south than New Zealand. Right. So you, you're, you, you've gone south to Southern Hemisphere, but you've gone really far south. <laughs> and it was like, they rode, they had the bike course, they had a police escort on the bike course on Friday morning for us to ride. And it was two degrees and Matt froze absolutely. He came back like... Blue. You mean Celsius. The rest of Celsius. us were confused for a second. <laughs> yeah, two degrees Celsius, which is still... Yeah, it's still quite cold. Yeah, yeah. And it was... There was... It was going to be like cold and rainy on race day. Like I'd put arm warmers, a vest and gloves in transition to put right. onto the bike. And in the end, it actually was warmer than expected. It actually turned out to be a great day weather-wise. Um Poor old age group has got dumped on with her yeah. rain for about five minutes later in the afternoon. But that's what always happens. But Oceanside's going to be just so you know, we have a drought here. It's been yeah. super warm. <laughs> like, it's going to yeah. be great. Um, 
But that does look like it's going to be super stacked. Like you're saying, a lot of people are using it to come over to kind of get their Rust Buster out of the way, leading into St. George. Um, It's going to be nuts. Yeah, but it's, it is exciting though. Like we've had a couple of, apart from my last week, that's just been a bit of a blur. We've had a couple of weekends of like, it's like I think I, you know, I message you going, it's do I dare say it, but it kind of feels like we're it's like in race season, season yeah. racing, yeah. normal kind of maybe yeah. Touchwood. It's definitely what I mean. Yes, it, race season's really for real, for real back. It feels for real, for real back. Um, brands are really bringing out new products, like. Things are really moving forward. I think now that that is true, we will get actually have an accountant, an accounting of what did not survive the last two years. Because if you've like started to look at, there are like every small race, independent race you can think of, doesn't exist anymore. Like it's just like we were trying to make a list um, back in the fall of like our favorite races, and it was just like oh, none of them are around anymore. And like a lot of clubs did not survive. A lot of organization. Anything that was kind of like smaller, medium sized, I think we're as we kind of actually get back to a real race season, that yeah. those holes and gaps are we're gonna finally kind of notice yeah, yeah. and see. Yeah. True. Very but true. Triathlon is really back. Triathlon it is. is back. <laughs> it's good. And I will be in Oceanside, so everyone should tell them I'm not racing. I'm going to be standing heckling people on the side <laughs> and everyone should come say hi. So There you go. And you can watch it. And I should say this again. And you'll be able to watch it live on yeah. Outside TV So there, yes. and on Triathlete. Yes. There we go. That's exciting. Yeah, that's it. Well, that's the other thing, isn't it? The next cut, that weekend is Oceanside. It's also Ironman South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all, yeah, going to be, a, it's live live coverage coming back as well, which is great. It's also the collegiate nationals here in the US, if you care. But yeah, so it's every, I mean, I have a calendar of events and there's multiple weekends like in this like next few months where there's just like multiple things on a weekend and you're just yeah. like, oh shit, like how are we going <laughs> to manage this? So there's a lot of stuff this year. Yeah. For sure. All right, we'll be back. Thanks, Sid, for, you know, sitting down and chatting with us after your long travel trip. Pleasure, always. Thanks, Kelly. All right, this week we have Minori Minagawa, the USA Triathlon Athlete of the Year, who just went pro and did her first pro race. So you got to tell us, Miami Challenge, or not Challenge, Clash Miami looked brutal, hot. What was going on there? It looked terrible. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was my first pro race. I was pretty nervous from the start. And then, you know, I really didn't notice the heat until like after warmups and it's like, Oh, it's a little toasty out here. Mm -hmm. Um, Thankfully I was training in Claremont for, you know, the week and a half before. So it was, you know, it was, it was helpful in that I was kind of getting used to the heat, but then um, yeah, started the bike and then around 26 miles. Well, before that I was probably starting to show symptoms of like, dehydration, overheating, all of that. But, you know, as an athlete, you just kind of keep pushing through it. And uh, yeah, ended up um, losing feelings in my hands and feet and uh, decided to drop out. And then it went kind of downhill from there and had to get carried back. Um, but yeah, you know, so it was a uh, not what I hoped for, but you gotta, you know, you gotta learn from the experience and then just kind of keep, keep training. So yeah, I mean, there was people who were hallucinating, delusional out there, uh, lots of med tents. Uh, I guess, I guess the clouds rolled in right after you guys for the men's race because they, right? It seems like a lot cooler. <laughs> yeah, I was like, whoa, the women's race was just like, it was so brutal, and uh, you know, I think eight women, I think, ended up. Well, I mean, I think Something two of them that. was more mechanical, and, and I think there was a crash, but um, to have almost half the field you know, not finish is kind of crazy. Um, and so I was like, well, maybe the men's race is, you know, going to be as crazy. And, and I think it was a little, I mean, I don't know the details, but I think they were a little bit more uh, uh, aware of the situation. Right. So maybe they prepared yeah. a little bit better than they we did. They said they like watched you guys and were like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I got carried back to the athlete room and that's where all the men, like they were all you know, getting ready, preparing, there was a big screen. So people were watching the race and I'm over here like laying on the side. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I was, I felt a little bad. Like I was just trying to stay quiet and like just mind my own business, but at the same time, I'm just trying to hydrate and uh, trying to recover from, you know, (laughs) 
So it was, yeah. So not exactly like the best first pro, but I feel like everyone's first pro race is kind of nuts. Like that's just how it goes. Just, yeah. You go up from there. So. Right, right. So you started as a runner at OSU, uh, graduated in 2019, which is like a good, like you got in just before pandemic graduations, which is good. Right. So I graduated OSU. Um, well, yeah. So I did undergrad and grad school mm-hmm. at OSU. So yeah, graduated 2016 with an undergraduate degree and then okay. went to PT school. So yeah, finished up at Ohio State in 2019. So you obviously ran undergrad, but you weren't able to run when you were in grad school there, right? No, no, no. I used up all my eligibility, right. so. But you can't, but you obviously started as a runner. I mean, if you're a big 10 runner, like you got to be pretty good. It's pretty intense. <laughs> I think I like looked up your, your PRs and you're like a 34 something 10K runner, which is yeah. fast. Right. So after college, you and your sister both ran there and she kind of stuck with the running route. Correct, yeah. But you took a turn. How did you end up finding triathlon? <laughs> I feel like it's very common for like, you know, one sport, not one sport athlete, but like, uh, you know, a runner to go to triathlon or like, you know, I, I mean, it, I feel like it's very common that like I was injured for um, probably like three years. Huh. To, yeah, probably three years just with like fractures and injuries and all that. So I just never, you know, I kept trying you know, after an injury, I would just try to go back to, you know, doing races or training and trying to build up for like a marathon. But I always ended up like, either with a fracture, or, you know, other injuries. So I just had to kind of, you know, take a step back and uh, reassess. And I still love like, being active and, you know, endurance sport and all that. So um, I swam actually for two years in high school. I was not very oh. good. So <laughs> and I want to go back to where what you said about um, being fast college runner. Um, I was actually a walk-on. So it was just okay. very, it was almost like a miracle that I got on the team. And then it's just, you know, all the coaches at, at OSU and, you know, mentors and everybody there. I think that's what kind of led me to sticking with, running which led me to you know just a walk on and then to a point where I was scoring I uh, was scoring is a very loose term but I was able to go to you know big tens and then uh go to regionals and all that so it definitely wasn't like a pure talent that led me to <laughs> to college sports and um looking at all the college athletes right now they're I mean they're super talented and like just at different different level um trying to go to college sports now what made you decide to walk on? Cause you have to be, I mean, for people, we have some people who like are American and some people who aren't who listen. And the concept of like walking onto a college sport is, is very novel to a lot of people. And you have to kind of really like decide you want to do it. You have to like pursue the coaches yourself and you, right. it's like very, you have to take the initiative. <laughs> so, I mean, in high school, I don't even know what times I ran, but I wasn't very, I don't think I had an outstanding time, which, you know, that's what college coaches look at. You know, if you made it to States and what, you know, your times are comparative to your, you know, your, your class that's going into college. But, and honestly, I kind of had it easy because my twin sister was a little bit more on top of, okay, we need to contact these coaches and these coaches. And she did all the emailing and like copied me on the email. I'm like, yeah, great. Perfect. (laughs) Um, But yeah, college was something actually like, that I wasn't very familiar with because my parents didn't. So my parents are Japanese. And so um, I actually was, bo- was born in California. So I I'm, I'm, I'm have an American citizenship, um, but yeah, they didn't go to college and like, we didn't have relatives here that went to college or anything like that. So everything was kind of Google search. Oh, like, what do we do application? Obviously there were a ton of people who helped us out. Um, but yeah, ultimately Ohio state was, you know, living in, so I live in Dublin, Ohio, which is very close to Columbus, but I was just right. for Columbus because it's, everybody knows where Columbus is. <laughs> um, so, you know, it was, we knew it was a big school and, um, you know, division one and both my sister and I were always someone who wanted to be on a team who can make us, you know, who, who are a little bit more on like, I guess, I guess, a team that's going to push us, motivate us okay. to get better versus go on a team where you're going to be like a standout and, and, you know, just be content with that. So, sure. so, so, so she uh, helped you uh, 
walk on until oh, you yeah. contact where show <laughs> Definitely. <up>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like two for, you know, two for one or one for, yeah. Yes. <laughs> bonus. So do you guys, I mean, I know you, you still like run together some, but do you guys train together all the time? Then I, how, what is the twin sister? So definitely in college we were, I mean, we were also super competitive with each other, but we were always, you know, our, we were just each other's running buddy and all that. And maybe a little bit in after college too, but because I was like injured all the time, I had, you know, a bunch of fractures, which with each, you know, injury, you have to take time off and all that. So we actually, after call, after undergrad, we really didn't train all that much together, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I mean, we would do a few runs together, but not like, okay, we're going to do a full marathon build together and like all that. Right. And then she actually moved away to Boulder after grad school for a year. So, you know, at that point, we were just, yeah, we, we didn't right. really train together. So are you still, are you trying to convince her to come over to triathlon now then? <laughs> yeah, you know, a lot of people ask that, but, you know, and I would, I would occasionally ask, so have you thought about triathlon? And it, you know, there's a lot of components to it, but I think one being it's such a time consuming sport, mm-hmm. um, just the amount of dedication, discipline and all that. I mean, I mean, she's an amazing runner. She's a very talented runner as well. Um, but the amount, <laughs> the amount of time I spend on my bike and, you know, going, driving to the pool and, you know, all of that. She's like, I don't want to, you know, it's just easy to just run out the door and go on a run. So, yeah. And then, you know, like the, things. yeah, like that's the motto of runners everywhere, right? They're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can just get a shoe and, you know, get your running shoes on and head out the door and get it done. Right. So, yeah, um, she did start riding uh, my old bike on a trainer. Um, she had a little bit of uh, like a hiccup and injury. So she was, you know, she would tell me, hey, like, I just rode on the bike for 60 minutes. I'm like, oh, good job. <laughs> she's like, how long did you ride? And then we would always <laughs> just, just chat. But I mean, she's just doing it for fun right now. Right, right, right. Okay. And so you obviously like started triathlon the way so many runners do. Kind of injured. Yes, correct. Started doing it a little bit. <laughs> But you started during COVID, which is so interesting because you ended up being like your first race ever during COVID. I mean, how, what is that even like? Like, how, how do you even, I totally understand how people were able to do races that already knew what to do. The people who didn't know what to do, I'm like, how did you figure it out? You know, so actually I did a sprint triathlon like back in 2018, just one random one without any training. I used my like trainers. I didn't have like any like like triathlon specific stuff. But um, what did I do? I'm trying to think back because yeah, COVID Arizona 70.3, or I guess it was it's called Phoenix anyways. Um, but yeah, that 70.3 was my first half Ironman um, race. Um, but yeah, I think it was just to a point where, well, actually, yeah. Okay. I remember. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> 2019, uh, right before COVID hit was when the USA tri- or sorry USA Marathon Trials right, right. happened, and my sister actually qualified the year before, and you know that was obviously one of my goal um, mm-hmm. to try to qualify for the trials, and then obviously with I mean with injuries and injuries I I, I just couldn't get the volume or you know training or fitness into like even sure. get close to that time, so you know part of me was kind of a mental reset i guess in terms of okay well like the next trials qualifying standard is you know after after the olympics obviously is not going to open for another year that means like around two more years i have you know almost just like a do whatever do something fun you know obviously um i wanted to still be competitive and in some aspect i feel like every athlete you know once you're an athlete you just want to find that you know something outlet to you keep your competitive drive going. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I think there were a lot of things, a lot of people, friends that, you know, that I started riding, you know, riding my bike with and some of my coworkers that, uh, did triathlons. And so it was just a, a bunch of things, people that kind of like all came together and was like, Oh, maybe I should try this. And, mm-hmm. and really it was, 
initially for fun, you know, I mean, obviously it's still fun, but it was just kind of like, (laughs) um, yeah, definitely just kind of try it out, see how it goes. I mean, there's nothing to lose, obviously. So, okay. So you like picked it up in 2020, did your first one, did your first 70.3 in Arizona, which also ended up being like the first, I think it was the first Ironman brand race. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I yeah. was actually nervous. I'm like, I don't even know how this normally works. And then now with COVID and we're doing like different starts, waves and, you know, a right. little, yeah. So there were a lot of new rules. Yeah, exactly. And what was the hardest? As you, so you're, tra- you're like picking up biking, you mm-hmm. like swimming high school. So you at least like knew how to swim. What was the hardest part about kind of getting, getting going? You know, I guess I have a coach now I'm with a, mm-hmm. I'm with the team, but before uh, I started working with the coach, it was just, I mean, as stubborn as I am, I was like, oh, I just need to run every day and then just throw in, you know, a few rides. And then like I swam maybe like twice a week for like 30 minutes. So it was not very good. <laughs> um, I mean, the hardest part initially was just, um, you know, structuring training in a way that I obviously I looked up few things on you know like a beginner to 70.3 or you know something like that to just give me an idea but um definitely looking back at some of the training I did nothing you know definitely like completely wrong so (laughs) oh no what was the biggest mistake that you made biggest mistake oh my goodness in terms of training or yeah well I'm just saying if you're like looking back at it now you're like oh no um, I definitely didn't do any, I mean, I say I swim in high school, but I swim in high school, just, I, I learned how to swim in high school. So learn how to flip turn, learn how to like breathe to each, like both sides. Like, so I was not very good. Like it was, so I was a gymnast actually in high school and I, uh, yeah, I did gymnastics for two years and then running was something I wanted to become a little bit more serious with. So, um, swimming was something just kind of picked up and, I was like, oh, like this, this could be useful someday. And I, I'm actually super, I actually didn't like swimming in high school at all. Um, <laughs> but it actually came to good use. And now I'm really yeah. grateful. Obviously, I wish I, I mean, I feel like most triathletes say this. I wish you, I started swimming earlier um, because, you know, it's just so much benefit with no, just learning to swim so much earlier, you know. Right. But, but I mean, at least you like, learn, yeah. Yeah. Everyone who like tries to make a triathlon later is always like thankful that they like yeah. le- if they learned how when they were a kid. So exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you said you got a coach because I did notice like you, you know, you did your first one in 2020. You're like, oh, maybe I'm pretty good at this. I think you were like fourth or something, right? At your first mm-hmm. and then you were like, I'm going to get a coach. Eight months later, you do your next race, and uh, it seems like your swimming got a lot better. <laughs> a, a little better, yeah. <laughs> And so kind of, you know, once you got a coach, what changed? Like, did you get more serious? Were you like, oh, now I know what I'm doing? Or was it just, uh, just, you know, like the, the, the volume changed? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, my entire, like, training structure changed. Um, Yeah, I mean, I feel like everything changed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my mindset in terms of, you know, expectation, goals, um, how I approach training. I mean, especially, I mean, having the coach to tell you no is actually probably the best thing that I got. I got from having, you know, Jared is my coach, but having him, um, I mean, obviously he's the great coach in terms of structuring your training and giving you enough volume and knowing what your weaknesses are, your strengths. Um, and that really played a big role in terms of identifying, okay, swimming is your weakest, but looking at the distance in terms of what you're covering during a race, we obviously need to get your power, obviously I'm at, I'm, you know, the stature I'm five feet, you know, and I was pretty, pretty small. I mean, I'm still, I guess, relatively small, but smaller compared to maybe your average triathlete. And then just knowing, you know, what do we need to work on and all that. So it's been, it's been just a game changer in terms of, you know, the, the athlete, I guess I've become and, and continue to want to pursue this. What made uh, you, uh, what made you want to step it up, you know? Like from, Hey, this is kind of fun to I'm going to get serious. I think it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was like a light switch. It was kind of like gradually. Well, I knew after Arizona, obviously a very like not know what this entire sport was all about because that was only my first half Ironman. But, um, you know, it was something like, Oh, maybe, you know, maybe if I actually get a structured training and, 
you know, approach this in a different way, I might be actually okay at this. And, <laughs> and, you know, I guess still that competitive drive where it's like, well, you know, g- give it a try, get, you know, get a coach and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Yeah. And then last year, I mean, so you won the 2021 athlete of the year award and, uh, so you obviously like did pretty well all year. You did sort of a whole bunch more races last year, right? Like, 70.3 Worlds, USAT Age Group Nationals. I think you won another 70.3. Am I missing other things in here? I did like a local triathlon, but yeah, I did the Ohio 70.3, the two Age Group Nationals, the Sprint, the Olympic, and then the and then Worlds. So yeah. yeah. So not, not, I guess, relatively speaking, I don't think I did a whole lot, but in those races, I think I uh, did well within my age group. So And obviously, I can imagine you had like very high expectations for yourself. So like the year clearly still went very well. But I think I think I saw you post that you were like hoping it would go even better, right? Uh, In terms of the yeah, so yeah, yeah, um, you know, I guess as I think I I mentioned, like as much as I, it was a good, you know, it was a it was a good year. I definitely had a lot more expectations, which you know, I guess. We always, I don't know, my coach before Miami, he was like, no expectation is the best expectation. It's like, you don't expect anything because, you know, you're very new. I mean, I was very new to the sport and right. you just give it what, you know, give it your best on that day and see see where it takes you kind of. So, but yeah, I would say like for Ohio, I wanted to, it was my hometown race in 70, you know, 70.3. And I was really looking forward to, I mean, I say this and like, I had no idea what it takes to win, but I had this, like, I desired to like really want to win. Um, and so when that didn't happen, it was really, you know, I mean, it was tough, but I mean, like, you know, it is what it is the, the right. day. So, but then age group nationals, I actually, <laughs> I, it was two weeks after Ohio. And so I was still very sore after Ohio and we were just going to use that as just kind of like a fun race and I was like, well, I think I qualify for both the sprint Olympic. I haven't done a sprint in like forever. And like, it's not my race, you know, it's just, I, I prefer the longer distances. So, uh, but yeah, my coach is like, yep, just do both. I'm like, okay, whatever you say. <laughs> and I honestly was not expecting to do very well, but I, yeah, somehow I uh, did pretty, pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Those were like back-to-back days. I feel like because I was there, a lot of people did both. And it did seem kind of hard to do both of them. Yeah, yeah. It, it was pretty – I mean, especially if you run, you know, bike and run super hard on the yeah. day before an Olympic distance. It's, you know, I would say, you know, 10K is pretty tough on your body. And then try to do a hard uh, sprint distance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you decided, obviously, at the end of this year to go pro. And I think you left your, your physical therapy job, right, to, to go all in. <laughs> Yeah. So, well, so <laughs> I left my outpatient PT. Um, and the thing is like, after I graduated from PT school, I was like, okay, like I want to become an outpatient PT, like, you know, and really stick to that. And, um, you know, and, and, and I guess work, work as an outpatient physical right. therapist and all that. And so I actually left the outpatient clinic where I worked for over two, I think a little over two years. Um, and then, uh, you know, initially I was talking to my boss about, you know, the options in terms of staying within the company and, or, you know, obviously training takes a lot of time. If, if I was going to go race and go to training camp, it was going to take a lot of time and all that. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I still have to make sure I get some income, obviously a beginner and the sport is not easy. So, um, I, I, so I work at, at the surgery center. Oh, okay. Um, so I actually worked full time, but I say it's, it, yeah, I, so it's still at the same company, but a lot less stressful, a lot, um, more time to be able to commit, um, with, for training and all that. Oh, okay. So, so you just like really, change jobs. Yeah. 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 I, I change roles. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. To free up time to become a pro. Yes. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. And so now that you've gone pro, cause I was thinking so many people, right. What changed in your life? Like, what did you do differently? Well, I was, <laughs> I will say when I sw- switched from like outpatient to when I'm now working at the surgery centers, I have a little bit more time. So my training um, load definitely increased, sign- I would say significantly. <laughs> um, but with that, you know, 
not just training, but also recovery and, and prioritizing, you know, structuring in a way that it's going to prioritize, you know, the hard days is hard and easy days is easy. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, when you have to focus on work and kind of throw in training, you know, in between those times, it's a little, you know, it's not, you're not optimizing your training. You're just kind of making it work uh, based on your work. So now I feel like I'm, I'm, I I still do. I mean, I obviously prioritize work, um, but (laughs) (laughs) obviously, (laughs) um, but, you know, I have a little bit more of that mindset that, you know, this is something that I want to continue to pursue and, you know, see how far I can get in the sport. So, um, you know, I do emphasize, you know, sleep and, and training time a little bit more seriously. Ah, and what is that like? What does that week look like for you right now? Are you training like if you're working full time and you're training a pretty good amount? Yeah, you come back from training camp, and you're pretty busy. It sounds like. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, before <laughs> I say before, like it was just like years ago, but it was just you know a couple months ago. But um, you know, I just had no time. I wasn't sleeping. I was training, and it was just not a good balance. Um, I feel like as you know most you know, type A type of runner athlete, um, you know, you just want to do everything. You just want right. to do everything. You want to work, you want to do your best. You want to, you know, train and all that. So I just, I knew I was putting too much, you know, on my plate. And, you know, I mean, there were a few occasions where it's like, I, I can't like get out of bed. I'm so tired. I'm exhausted. <laughs> and like, my sister's like, I don't think that's healthy. I'm like, yeah, I don't think so either. But you know, it's like, oh, it's go, 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 just keep going. And yeah, so now I feel like it's a lot more, I I wouldn't necessarily say relaxed because right, well, right now, just because from, you know, the whole dehydrate, you know, being dehydrated and all that and the race, um, I'm taking like an easy week this week. But before like before the training camp I was doing up to well I guess it depends on what you count but I count like strength training and you know I do a little bit of yoga and I count all that I was probably doing upwards to like 28 and then I had like one 30 hour week and in addition to like a you know 35 hour work week so yeah um yeah so outside of work and training i don't do very much i always joke <laughs> that napping is my second hobby or i guess i would sometimes call it my first hobby because i'd love to nap and just like yeah <laughs> yeah no that's a lot of that's a lot that's a lot of stuff going on yeah right yeah what do you think uh what's been like hardest kind of as i mean not just as like a beginner pro but kind of as still as a beginner what's been the hardest thing to to learn and figure out I guess for me, because I came from a running background, Mm -hmm. you know, there was just one sport you needed to focus on, which was just running. Um, Whereas like in triathlon, you have to work on all three sports. So, you know, finding the balance of how much time to spend on, you know, each of the discipline, um, you know, was tough. And then. And so you got through your first one and the first one's always kind of like, what was the most like, there's, there's always some intimidating thing, right? You're like, oh my God, there's an Olympian standing next to me. So you got through it. Yeah. <laughs> and now what? Now what's yeah, next? I mean, definitely it was like a, you know, my coach and I talked about it a little bit after the race, but, um, you know, I, I'm just at like a significantly di- different level, you know, even within the pro triathlete, you know, circuit, you know, you just have, you know, all these different levels, mm-hmm. but, you know, we're all just, competing to see you know how good you can get so I mean obviously there were moments where it's like I should not even be in this race um you know there's always some doubts and there's always a little bit of um and you know being a little bit intimidated but at the end of the day you know I was I told my coach you know I'm going out there to see how how much I can push myself and see you know how much all the training I've put in so far you know I'll see where I'm at but you know, it didn't end as well as I hoped. And, you know, at that moment, I'm like, I can't do this. You know, it's it's just too hard or it, all that thought came into my mind. But, you know, just kind of after the race and kind of reflecting back on, you know, not just the race, but overall, just like the training camp and things like that. It's something, you know, obviously, I want to continue to keep training and see, see what I can do. So I don't have a 
any big plans. So my coach and I talked about it a little bit when we we're at training camp and kind of plan out my season just because um, we haven't really done that. <laughs> um, I feel like it should have been done before, but, um, you know, I didn't have any big, you know, goals in terms of like, I, I mean, I still, like I said, I'm still very new to the sport. So it's not like I want to be like top, top 10 at this race or all that. So we just kind of chatted about it a little bit, but um, yeah, no, (laughs) no big plans yet. So are you going to stick with 70.3? Is that like your distance you think? Um, so that's another thing we talked about. Um, I had mentioned to him like, Oh, when am I going to do a full distance? And he kind of laughed at me initially. He was like, Oh, you're like, you're not ready yet. Um, you know, you, you want to kind of get better at the 70.3 before you move on to the full, full distance. But, um, when I actually mentioned to to him, uh, last at Claremont, he was actually like, Oh, like, have you put thought about doing Ironman? I'm like, yes, I've talked to you about it before. Like I want to do it. And I think that's, and we both agree. I think that's where I'm going to do best at in the full distance versus the 70.3. But I do agree. I think you, I think, you know, as, 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 you know, a big of a race Ironman or like full distance is, uh, you know, I want to respect the distance and make sure, you know, I get the full training and, and, uh, you know, train, train for that race. So. Right. Right. So you gotta give yourself some time kind of ease. Exactly. Ease yeah. It. What is your, like right now, as you're like learning about the sport and you're like getting into it, what's the like thing that you're like, Oh, I really want to do that race. Like that's the one that's like, it's like your dream. Yeah. I, I think with any like long distance trap, you know, traffic, I guess, you know, I Kona would be really cool. Um, but that would be definitely, you know, a couple years down the line if, if, you know, if that is so, um, but yeah, that would be really cool. Um, I'm, you know, there are other few, few other races that would be really cool to be able to, you know, either qualify or, you know, compete in, but you've had such a fast progression here. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What is, is, uh, running still your favorite? That's the most important question here. You know, (laughs) I hate to like say this because it it feels weird to say, but I love to ride, like going on a ride and, you know, going really hard. And I, I don't know. I just love to be on my bike now. I mean, not to say I don't like running. I love running too, but if I were going to pick, you know, a bike or running shoes, I would be like, I'm going on the bike and, you know, going a long ride. Okay. All right. So, and you're yeah. In, okay. <laughs> Cause you're in Columbus too. So it's not like you like, could, I mean, you had to do some indoor riding this winter, right? Oh yeah. I mean, uh, most of my rides since I think the last time I rode outside in Columbus was when, when was that? October? Yeah. I think a little past, yeah, October, but um we actually have a really good um like cycling group a little bit up north from where i live but yeah we have a really good uh good group that ride together um sometimes on the weekdays but i usually just join them on the weekends but they're really i mean they're the ones who kind of like got me into like cycle like riding hard and all that so yeah i i owe it to them to uh you, you know got them they yeah. got me into Writing, so. And you and I were kind of talking about the other pros that live uh, around Columbus. Like, it, there's actually a couple. There's actually a couple of pros that like you guys can make a little training squad. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Jen has definitely been someone who I look up to. She, you know, she actually came to Columbus. I oh, I can't remember now. Yeah. yeah, a few years ago. And initially, you know, it was actually right when I was just starting to train for air train, I I put that in air quotes, train for Arizona by myself, you know, um, she actually came to town. And, and so I was like, Oh, like she's this pro triathlete. Like, I don't know. I don't, I feel bad for asking advices, but I wonder, you know, like give me some training tips. And she was just (laughs) the most friendliest. Like she's so funny. Um, and so she's been someone who I like try to, you know, just, see what her thoughts are and bounce ideas and stuff like that. So. What would you, what would you tell if you were asking yourself now for tips, what would you tell yourself from two years ago? Don't be too hard on yourself. I was, de- yeah. I mean, especially with, you know, working full time and if you have other commitments and other, you know, responsibilities and things like that, just 
you know, if don't be too hard on yourself in terms of training, you know, you miss a day, you got too busy, you got, you know, something going on. Don't be, you know, don't get frustrated that you didn't get it done. You, you know, it's just at the end of the day is you're doing this for fun too, right? You got to keep the joy in the sport. So, you know, I would just say, you know, keep it fun. Don't be yep. too hard on yourself. Always good advice, right? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, good luck with everything this year. Um, I'm excited to see you know see where you go from here. So. Thank you. Thanks to Sid and to Minori for talking with us, and thanks to all of you for listening. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And even if you don't like what you hear, keep listening and keep training.